You ever been in a season in your life where the hits just keep coming? And it can kind of be like uh, being new to California, you don't understand quite how the surf works, and so you grab your surfboard or your boogie board, or you just head out into the waves thinking, this looks really nice, looks really fun to ride the waves, and you don't realize it's a shore break. As you go out into the waves and you catch your first wave, you think, wow, this is fun, and the wave drives you into the bottom of the ocean, right against the floor of the sand. And you come up gasping for air, and you look around, and you look up just in time to see the next wave come crashing down. You're driven to the bottom again, and you come back up, and you look, and there comes another one. Sometimes that's how life is, isn't it? Wave after wave, us just barely coming up to catch our breath. We looked at this storm text a couple weeks ago. I thought, oh boy, here we go. Another text on Jesus calming a storm. I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do with this because Tim preached about how Jesus calms the storms of our lives right back, I think that was July 1st. So I sent a message to Bill. I said, Bill, are you sure? He said, yeah, I'm sure. I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And then the month of July happened. Started off July going to Juarez. Spent a week in Juarez to come back. After I come back, I have a wedding the very next day. After that wedding, then I have a funeral, which I travel to South Dakota and get jammed into the farmhouse that has three bathrooms but two showers, and there's 32 people there, if my math is correct. Can you say chaos? Lots of little children as we're, we're there to, to mourn um, my grandma Lucille. And I started thinking about this text sitting in Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Thinking about the chaos. How, how storms come up in our lives. And I come back from South Dakota in time to make sure our Kenya team gets off and make sure they have everything they need to pack and head to teen leadership camp for teens in the foster system. And then my parents are here next week, and so then I had to do all that stuff. And you know how that goes when you have family in town. There's a little chaos with that because you've got to get all the stuff done because you want your house to look right. And I could identify with the disciples. See, sometimes the storms in our lives, the consequences and the chaos come into our lives because of our own sin and foolishness. We cause problems for ourselves. Sometimes the storms come into our lives because we live in a broken and a fallen world. We deal with health issues, with issues at work, with issues with our relationships and our families. These things come up and they bubble and they surge and we feel like we're gasping for air. But that's not the case in our text. But in our text, Jesus, Jesus sends the disciples out into the storm. So it's kind of crazy, all the things that are going on here. Jesus sends out the disciples, and they go out and they do ministry in his name, and it's kind of a busy and hard season of ministry. Right after that, John the Baptist is beheaded. 
And Jesus is feeling a little worn. The disciples are feeling a little worn. And Mark, the author, observes that because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves in a boat to a solitary place. Sounds like a fantastic idea, right? Life gets busy. We need rest. I believe that that we're made for a rhythm of work and rest. Of rest and work. And that's one of the reasons I believe that it's so important for us to come here to God's house to worship and pray and be anchored to something that's not constantly moving. But you know what happens? They go to a solitary place, and it's not a solitary place anymore because people see Jesus and the disciples going, and they beat them there. 5,000 men plus women and children. It's a mob. And Jesus ministers to them. He teaches them. And then he challenges the disciples. He says, disciples, uh, give them something to eat. And they say to him, Jesus, you want us to spend that much? Oh, you have that much money, do you? Go out and see what you got. And he gets the five loaves and the two fishes and he feeds them. And then right after that is where Jesus sends them out into the storm. Jesus sends them out immediately. And it should have been a short, a quick boat ride. They should have been heading north, northwest, maybe an hour, hour and a half tops. They leave before sundown. And at 3 a.m., Jesus looks out and he sees them. Not where they're supposed to be. Out in the middle of the lake. Nine hours later, struggling to make headway, to make progress. And that's where this text makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Because in this text we hear echoes from the Old Testament. We, we hear echoes of Jesus being God as Jesus you know, fed the people of Israel in the wilderness. So Jesus feeds the 5,000 in the wilderness. And then right after that we see Jesus conquering, overcoming the sea. Just like God cleared a path through the water. We see Jesus walking across the water and calming the storm. And so clearly we see that Jesus is God. And Jesus has power over the storm. And yet, he also knew about the storm. And still sent the disciples out into it. And that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And then what might be even a little bit more disconcerting is Jesus goes out to them on the water, but then as he catches up to them, he starts and he's just walking by. It's a little bit disconcerting. And so I've got a question. How do you respond in the storms of life? When the storms of life build up around you, when the storms of life fill your life and you're wondering what's coming next, you don't know where to catch your breath, what do you do? I know one thing that I do. 
kind of like the disciples, I drift. I drift out into the middle of the lake, off course. At least that's the thought that I had as I was sitting there. After a day and a half of spending time with family, I realized that I wasn't always present in the way that I should be. I also know that because sometimes my wife, Lindsay, will tap me on the shoulder and say, Nathan, where are you? <laughs> sometimes the things going on in our hearts and in our minds become so much that we lose track of ourselves. We forget where God has placed us. We forget where he's placed us in our work environment. We forget where he's placed us in our, our family environment and the people that he's given us to love. We forget what he's given us to do. We forget our purpose. And so I think this text speaks to us. It speaks to me in, in times like this. And I think there's some things that, that we can take away from it. I think, first of all, we look to the disciples. And we look at what's going on with them. And, and the first question that I think comes up is, are we facing a storm in our life because we're being obedient to Jesus? Or because of our own foolishness? Here, Jesus sends them on the storm. They're obedient to Jesus, and being obedient to Jesus pushes them into a storm. And sometimes, as God's people, that's going to happen to us. Because we live in a world that is opposed to God's will and his way for our lives. So it's going to happen. I think the second thing that we need to ask is, what are we focused on? I think sometimes in the middle of a storm we become focused on the insignificant things, on the mundane things, and not on the things that are really important. And the storms of our lives are an opportunity for us to shed those things that aren't really important and grab even more tightly a hold of those things that are. Then I think the third question to ask is, is Jesus trying to redirect us? Is he trying to send us somewhere else? Jesus did send them to Bethsaida, but they end up in Gennesaret. Maybe Jesus is trying to get us to pivot, trying to get us to shift our course, trying to get us to focus in a new direction. And then I think we also need to look at Jesus in this text. Because Jesus isn't tossed, he isn't adrift like the disciples. And yes, I, I know he's God, but my hope as a follower of Jesus is that Jesus would be formed a little bit more in me day by day. I believe that's all of our hopes as followers of Jesus, that we would become a little bit more like Jesus as we follow him. And so when the storms of life come up, we are tossed to and fro. And so what can we learn from Jesus about how he faces life and the busy seasons and the chaos? How does he find his peace? The first thing I notice in this text is that Jesus does what he always does. He prays first. Before he gets going, before he does anything else, 
He prays. Whatever the next task is at hand, he prays before he goes. And I, I think that, that part of that relationship between Jesus and his father was the father and Jesus talking about who they are together and who he is, his identity as the son of God. And so, as we read those words from Paul in Ephesians, the words that seem most important to me, the words that Paul prays for us as followers, that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. See, sometimes in the storms of life, we say, if I only would have known more, if I could have had more information, I could have handled it better, I could have done it differently. But that's not the biblical answer. The biblical answer is that we need to know God's love for us more, be more anchored in our identity, more anchored, anchored in who God has made us to be. And out of that, we can be more sure and more certain of our purpose, of our direction, and the knowledge that God has a plan for our lives. It's built on the foundation of this love that surpasses knowledge. I think the other thing we can see is that Jesus is completely focused on his mission. Jesus is almost so focused on his mission, it appears in this text, and where he's heading and who he's coming to help, that he almost passes the disciples by. He knows where he's going. And that comes out of that love of the Father in his identity. Then we also notice that he comes for the disciples. He saw them in distress and he came out for them. And so I almost get the picture of Jesus walking by his disciples and kind of checking them out and going, oh, you guys are all right. I'm going to keep on going. And then they shout out to him and Jesus responds. And so we can know that in our distress, in our storms, we have a Savior and a God who will respond to us in the midst of what we have going on. And I think the final thing that I know about myself when I think of the storms of life that I've faced is that I am who I am because of those storms that I've gone through. That I, I wouldn't be made into who God has designed me to be if I hadn't weathered those storms. Somebody out there is probably an entomologist, and so they're going to correct me. I believe that's the right name for a person that studies bugs. But butterflies, when they come out of their cocoon, part of the, 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 the piece of them coming out of the cocoon is the struggle that forces them to concord and, and forces their body to be formed in the way that it's supposed to be formed. And if you see a butterfly struggling to get out of its cocoon and you go over there and you help it, you will forever deform that butterfly because it won't be transformed into what it was designed to be. And so this is what I know. In our lives, sometimes it looks like sticks and sand or pieces of metal and plastic, things that we can't make sense of, things that we don't understand. It looks like chaos. And yet God's up to something bigger. 
that, that God's doing something through us, and more importantly, he's doing something in us. He's building something. He's forming us. He's transforming us into the image of his son. I'd like to share this video that shows how something beautiful can come out of chaos. Yeah, isn't it amazing how a man can find himself alone? Calling to the darkness for an answer that he's never known. Yeah, isn't it amazing how God can take a broken man? Yeah, let him find a fortune, let him ruin it with his own two hands. And he climbs on up the hill, on a rock on which he stands. He looks back at the crowd, he looks down at his hands and he says, I am a difference maker. Oh, I I've seen and I have felt the fire get put out by too much gasoline. We're all strangers passing through a place in town. Afternoon, life is but a vision in a window that we're peeking through. Helpless conversation with a man who says he cares a lot. It's a passive confrontation about who might throw a punch or not. We are all transgressors, we're all sinners, we're all astronauts, so if you're beating death, then raise your hand, but shut up if you're not, cause I am a difference maker, oh I
find peace in the midst of chaos by believing that God takes a broken man, broken people, and does great things in them in the midst of the storm. That's part of what we confess in our faith. And so I invite you to stand as we together sing of this faith that God has placed in our hearts. 